Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Hey there. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. This is episode 1515, and I'm so excited you're here. Today, I'm going to read from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, which uh, it's an amazing chapter, the whole thing. It's really profound, but we're going to focus on verse 15, and I'm going to read from the NLT, the New Living Translation, which I will, of course, put in the show notes. And here's what it says. Do not forget that he, and he means God, he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. Okay, so um, I just have this sense that somebody might be kind of thinking, what is she talking about? I don't see the promise or the hope there. Is she going rogue or maybe she's just gone bonkers? Uh, No, this, this may not be exactly what you're expecting. And some of what I share today, you might think is like, oh, this is wonky stuff. But um, it sounds like it's not a promise, but there's so much here. There's a tremendous amount of promise and hope for us that's anchored to this verse. And this verse is just part of a much bigger chapter. So at some point, I probably will do a little more on Deuteronomy 8. If, um, you know, if this gets some downloads and listens, um, relatively quickly, I'll probably do that soon because this is really, it's a short chapter, but it's a meaty chapter. It's very valuable. If you haven't read Deuteronomy chapter eight in a while, I encourage you to read it. You will be blessed. It will encourage you. Um, So I know I haven't gone rogue. Jesus is just, he's my everything. The word of God is full of infallible truth. I will not deviate from it. I do encourage you to read Deuteronomy eight because you always want to be like the Bereans in the book of Acts. They checked everything by the word of God. They didn't just assume, they made sure that what they were being taught was sound doctrine per the word of God. And I always encourage my listeners to do the same thing. So I'm going to read, actually, you know what? Let me just read it to you. I can read most of chapter eight. It's really short. I'm going to read a few verses. I'll start in verse six. I'm going to leave off verses one through five um, because those are... um, Nah, they're just, those are calling the people to obey, which is very important. But we're going to start with the promise part of it, which starts in verse six. And you might hear me as I turn the page later, and I apologize for that. I know extra sounds on a podcast are not fun, but uh, if you hear it, that's what it is. I'm turning the page of my Bible. Okay, here it goes. It says, dun, 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 let me find it. Okay, so obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out into the valleys and hills. Okay, I just got to say, if you've been in a desert for a long time, I think water abundantly and valleys and hills would sound super awesome. That would be like really exciting. 
It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. Again, like that sounds great when you've been in a desert. And you may have never like literally been in a desert, but I'm pretty sure you have been in a point in your life where you feel like you're living in a desert, like a dry season. So this, if you're in a dry season right now, this is a word for you, a promise for you. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Verse 11, but that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. This is Moses who wrote this, so it's Moses talking. He's giving them the Lord's decrees. For when you have when you have become full and your herds have become very large, um, and your and he goes on to say your silver and your gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. And he puts an exclamation point on there. So he's really making a point. He also talks about fine homes that they're going to live in. Uh, they're going to be blessed. That's not an if. There's no if here. Those blessings are going to come, but God is going ahead of them to remind them that when those come, here's going to be the biggest temptation to kind of forget the Lord your God. Okay, so that's a good warning for all of us. When we're blessed, it's easier to not be as close to the Lord because we don't have that pain point. And so we're not just praying and leaning into him. We're kind of... Um, you know, things are good. Things are good. That is a time where it's super important to stay extra close to the Lord because when we're not as close to him, it's like we forget him. And can you imagine? Can you imagine? He has gone so far as to engrave us on the palms of his hands so that he will never forget us no matter whatever. We want to make sure we don't forget him when we're enjoying the blessings in those good seasons. Okay, back to verse... um, 14. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. I think of the VeggieTales movie, We Were in Slavery. Yeah, that's what he rescued them from, slavery. And then verse 15, our verse for today, do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock, which is a great pointing ahead precursor to Jesus, right? Who is the rock and the living water. Um, He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Oh, thank you, Lord, that there is something in your word to remind us that we need to be check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Like, I do not have anything that I have because of myself, and I need to be reminded of that. It's another reason this is such a great chapter. He did all this so you'd never say to yourself, I've achieved all this wealth with my own strength and energy. Verse 18, remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. Some versions say gives you the power to get wealth. That puts a super fine point on it. Uh, it's not your college degree, and it's just certainly not your your um, putting your nose to the grindstone or your hustle or your drive or your whatever. It is the Lord who gives you the ability to be successful or the power to get wealth in order to fulfill the covenant that he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. When God makes an oath, that was my page turn. Sorry if that was too loud. When God makes an oath, it's it's unbreakable. Because there's nothing greater than he can swear by than himself. So when he makes a covenant, boy, he's going to keep a covenant. So when they were going to be blessed, it was not because of anything they did. It was because he said it would happen. And when he swears an oath, he keeps it. 
That is a great reminder to us when we think about God's promises. God keeps his promises, period. Like, period. Maybe even exclamation point. There is no question mark and there is no comma. It's a period or an exclamation point. That's it. God keeps his promises. Boom. Drop the mic. Walk away. He just does. Okay. The last, um, let's see, the last little bit of this chapter says, but I assure you of this, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Hello. That's pretty serious. Listen up. It's like, after all of that, he's saying, I'm going to bless you. Please don't forget me. Then he's got to follow it up with that. But if you do, I will deal with you. Like, oh man, isn't it awful that humans are such that we have to have such stern things in place to keep us from walking away from the Lord? Like, it's not enough that he loves us and he blesses us. It's not enough that we just want to honor him with our lives and stay close to him. He's got to say, I'm going to seriously spank you, put you in a long time out. It's not going to go well for you if you walk away from me. I wish, I wish it weren't so. I really do. I wish I'm speaking for me. I'm not putting that on anybody else, but I wish it were not so. I wish I could just out of my love for him, stay so close to him that I never had to hear him say, didn't I tell you not to do that? I got to discipline you now. Okay. And the last part of this chapter, verse 20, just as the Lord destroyed other nations in your path, you also will be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord, your God. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that he just, he doesn't pull any punches. If you refuse to obey the Lord, your God, don't think it's going to go well for you. Don't think you're going to get a pass. God always gives grace and he's a merciful God. And he has been that from the very beginning of time. If you don't know that you need to maybe go back to Genesis and you can Google this, Google the first, the first way God describes himself. And you will find that from the very beginning, he's making sure that we know how merciful, how loving, how kind he is. But um, he's also not a chump. He is God. He is so holy. So let's not think that we can do whatever we want and just get away with it. That's a really, eh, it's kind of like a spoiled brat way to think. We shouldn't behave that way. Okay, so I read that to you from the New Living Translation, verse 6. And those first five verses that I didn't read are reminders to the Israelites of everything that God did to care for them during their time in the wilderness after he rescued them from Egypt. And trust me, he did a lot. He did a whole lot. Okay, so now you got the bigger picture of the whole chapter, not just the one verse that I quoted originally, to remember in your prosperity, to recall to mind, to not forget in your prosperity and your abundance that God alone led you through a great and terrifying wilderness. Now, that is not too extreme. I cannot talk today. That is not too extreme of a description of this place that they were wandering through. It was terrifying. They, these people had been born into slavery. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They went there. Um, Joseph, you can read about that. Joseph's life, like chapter 37 of Genesis and on. And then they grew so big in number that the Pharaoh became scared of them and he made them slaves and they worked really hard. He got a lot of sweat equity out of those people who probably were in the millions by the time that God sent Moses back to them to free them from slavery. So they weren't 400 years old, right? What I'm saying is they lived their entire lives in slavery. That's an absolute fact. Sometimes we talk about these Israelites in the desert and their behavior 
And it's never okay. God makes it very clear that they're complaining and they're grumbling and their lack of faith and their distrust and their fear and even their whining. It just, it exasperated God to the point he wanted to wipe them out. It exasperated Moses to the point that he was like, God, you can kill me, but I can't deal with these people anymore. Um, I'm not giving them an excuse or a pass, but I am saying that we look at their life through our life and we were not born into the life that they were born into. So their the lens through which they were viewing life was a little bit different than ours. And it's good to take that into consideration. They'd been born into slavery. Every single part of their lives on a daily basis was handled by somebody else, by somebody who ruled and lorded over them. Sometimes when you've been in a place like that, for an extended amount of time. And, and we have all been in places where we've been, the word of God says that we're slaves to sin before we come to, to know the Lord, before the Lord saves us. So uh, we've all been, my dog is really snoring. I'm sorry. We have all been in those situations where for an extended amount of time, we feel enslaved to something. There's like, when you walk into a vast, open, big place of new freedom, Whoa, it's totally scary and completely overwhelming, even even when that vast place is a dry desert. It's still overwhelming. Okay, so are you ready for the point that I wanted to make that might sound like I've gone totally rogue or absolutely bonkers? You ready? Okay, here it is. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, my big dramatic music there. There ought to be a part of us that misses. Yes, I mean to say that. Misses the 40-year or however long it's been, desert trek. There ought to be a part of us that misses that desert trek. We ought to miss it in this one specific way. When I am at a place that's too big for me, okay? So verse 15 calls this a great wilderness. It says it's a great and terrifying wilderness and then describes the snakes and all that stuff that was hot and dry. When, When I'm in a place that's too big for me, a big wilderness like it, anything that's, that's a will, a wilderness is anything that is a too big for me kind of place. Okay. I need you to get that in your mind, a too big for me kind of place. It might be your first week on a college campus and you might be a little bit or a whole lot overwhelmed. It might be, um, you know, I'm sure when my husband went to boot camp when he was 17, between his junior and senior year of high school, that was a too big place for him. There's that sense of overwhelm, like, whoa, I'm out of my depth. This is too big. This is too big. When I'm in a place that's a big place, that's just too big for me. And my place is too big for me. It might be very comfortable for you. So let's not judge each other and say, I don't know why that's an issue for her. That's a piece of cake for me. Praise the Lord. But let's not be judgy because my too big place is not your too big place. Most likely in that place, it's going to be hard for me to ever really feel safe or like cozy or comfortable. And honestly, I have learned that a place like that is one of the greatest gifts I ever get in this life, for real. Here's why. Okay, because that great big place, that great big place that is just like way, way too big for me, it keeps me right there at my father's side. Okay, I'm going to say that again. That place that's way too big for me keeps me right at my father's side, sticking to him like glue, refusing to let go of his hand. And when I'm not stuck to him like glue, I am not as fond of those seasons when I look back over the course of my life. Okay, now in the season when it's not a wilderness and I'm not overwhelmed and it's not a too big place for me, 
I, at the moment, oh, I enjoy it. Of course I do. I see the blessing in it. Absolutely I do. Sometimes it took me a long time to come out of a wilderness and to get to a place where it was just like a lot more peace, you know, a lot more peace and answer to a lot of prayers. But when I look back over the course of my life, I don't have the same affinity, the same warm memories towards those seasons when I did not have to be so close to the Lord. I hope this is making a little bit of sense. Those wildernesses where it's like, ah, yeah, I'm overwhelmed. This is too much for me. I got to stick right by you, Jesus. I look back and I love how close I had to be to the Father. When I look back on the easier seasons and I didn't have to be as close to him because I didn't like have to depend on him for every breath and every heartbeat and every moment, I don't look back with such fondness because I didn't feel like I had to be as close to the Lord. Does I? This has got to be talking to somebody. I surely cannot be the only one that has felt this way. So now when I'm in that season and it's just so hard and scary and in that moment, I don't love it, but I look back and I just compare them side by side. Like I do a side by side snapshot, mental snapshot of a season of a big place versus a season of prosperity and ease and kind of a cozy place where I was comfortable. In one of those, I was just not willing to step away from my Abba Father's side. I didn't want to let go of his hand. And in the other type of season, uh, you know, you just, you know what I'm saying, right? You, you get the picture. Okay. So the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he said that he had learned contentment in any and every situation. And the longer I live, the more I understand what he meant. It requires a fairly large amount of time and a fair amount of living. Like there's got to be water under the bridge. I've got to live for a while before I can learn to be really content with the whatever that each individual situation ends up being. I don't know what the whatever is going to be when I start into a new season. But I can learn as I live my life day by day to be content in those situations. So seriously, though, don't think that um, don't think you're the only one that maybe feels like you have a little bit more to learn or a lot more to learn about being content. It's hard and it just takes a lot of life to get to a point where we can say one day what the Apostle Paul said, which he's learned to be content in any and every situation, whether hungry or well-fed, and he goes on to describe situations. You're going to get there, so don't be discouraged. This is not a discouraging podcast. I just want you to be blessed and encouraged. So, And when I say that too, I am not inviting evil or hardship or peril or struggle or darkness into my life or yours. What I'm saying is I only want what the Lord has for me. I only want what the Lord has for you. Nothing more and absolutely nothing less. I do not want to speak death over myself when the Lord only wants me to speak life. And that includes my health, my situation, my friendships. That's the same for you. I speak life over you in Jesus name right now. But my life is in Christ alone. It is not in a cushy job. It is not in um, a fat bank account. It is not in perfect health. It is not in taking the world's greatest vacation. My life is in Christ alone. And as I've looked back over the years and I've seen how much closer I stuck to God during those big, scary life seasons versus how easy it was for me to wander away a little bit or a lot from the Lord during super duper comfortable seasons, 
I've learned to be content in any situation because the same as Paul said in the New Testament, I, New Testament, I found the value of being close to the Lord. And I've learned that I can be closer to him in those harder times. And I'm getting better at choosing to stay super attached to him during my comfortable seasons that are more blessed. So I like the not the too big place that overwhelms me because of that reason. It helps me value choosing to stay close to him. Does that make sense? I hope it does. If it doesn't, just leave a comment and say, yeah, I'm making any sense at all, lady. Okay, so what can I do that um, verse 11, let me go back to verse 11 of this chapter. It talks about kind of being the blessed place, right? Is where I need to decide to be careful, to be aware, to pay attention that in that season of plenty, I don't forget the Lord. So how do I do that? What can I do to not forget the Lord when I come into this time that's going to be better? Because there's... Life is kind of like, you know, we call it the ups and downs of life, but really I think at any given moment we can be having really good ups and really bad downs at the same time. And so I feel like you can almost at any moment stop and say, I've got all these things where I really feel like it's an upside and an uptick. And then over here, this is kind of just in that area. So when I, it's hard for me to categorize it and say, you know, you might be having a bad time right now, but just around the corner, everything is going to come together and be awesome. I can't promise you that. So I want to differentiate that, that I don't, I'm not saying that you're at some point going to have this really perfect all together scenario where every part of your life is just awesome. But think about the spots where maybe it's not awesome yet, where it is a wilderness, when the time comes that you're in that blessed place, when that rough time is over and it's transitioned to a different season in that specific area, that's when we need to be careful. In the blessing, just be careful. Be careful. Take care. Be very careful and take care not to forget the Lord your God. And it is easier to do than we care to admit. Those great big places are, they're such a gift. They're such a gift. Look, look at what we learn and look at what we learn to value. We grow so much and we have such a great opportunity to walk that path with our loving God. It's, I can't learn that in that place of constant ease. I just, I cannot. If you can, my hat's off to you, but I absolutely cannot. This is me in my brutal honesty. Folks, listen. Here it is. You ready for it? I can get way too big for my britches super duper fast. And it's yuck. It's just, it's gross and yuck and awful. So I'm super thankful at this point in my life. I'm genuinely grateful for the times that I found myself in a terrifying wilderness because right there, that's where I've been able to see how amazing it is to walk that desert road hand in hand with the king of the universe and to experience his the depth of his love for me in a new way. So whenever you find yourself standing on the banks of the Jordan River, so right, so before they actually entered the promised land, they had to leave the desert and they had to stand on the banks of the Jordan River and they did cross it at flood stage and the Lord did a miracle that he stood up the waters in a heap and it drained down on the other side and piled up, you know, say to the left of them, it was piled up and the right of them, the river bed ran dry and they walked across and at flood stage, the Jordan river is no joke, by the way. So that's a miracle he did to show them I'm with you. I'm right here with you. I'm with you on this. So, but 
they had to leave the desert and then cross the Jordan River. And I have to make a mention of this because there's kind of, um, uh, I don't know, like a mentality that, that runs in Christian circles where um, people think of the crossing the Jordan as representing our death. And like we leave this life and step into eternity with Jesus. And I have to say, oh, I know this isn't going to be popular and I'm so sorry if this steps on your toes, but that is not biblical. That is, that's not biblical. The Jordan River is not our example of crossing from death to life, to eternity with the Lord. It is an example of moving on to a new place with the Lord in this life, of taking a promised land. It's not about going to be with Jesus. So I just had to say that. Um, do a little research if you don't believe me. Start digging around and you'll go, oh, yeah, that's kind of true. We've made, I don't know where it even got started and I don't need to know. I just got had to say that, that that's not what it means. So when you're on the banks of your Jordan River and you are getting ready to, like you're standing there, you know you're crossing over into that soon and you're looking, you're looking right at your next place of promise, right? There's a place of favor and blessing and promise. And you can like almost see it. You could taste it. It's right there. That season of peace and prosperity. And this is an area where you've, you've longed for and you've prayed about for so long. It's right there. You're standing on the banks of the Jordan river, this fulfillment of God's ideal thing in his perfect timing at this moment, when you find yourself standing there looking forward, ready to go, listen, listen, right then in that moment, don't forget to just take a glance back. You're looking forward and you should be that right before you cross over, would you take a glance back? Just look back over your shoulder and remember, remember the vast and wild too big place that you're coming out of. Just remember it for a moment. Make it one of your absolutely deepest life goals and your heartfelt desires to just stay right by his side, walking right next to him out of your wilderness and into your place of blessing. Okay, that is what I wanted to share from Deuteronomy 8, 15. Uh, the blessing that the great and terrifying wilderness can be in that it keeps us so close to the Lord and that we don't want to forget him when we go into our new land. So thank you so much for joining me today. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful, I don't know, day if you're listening to this in the morning evening. If you're listening to it on your way home from work, if you're at the gym, have a great run or whatever it is you're doing, just Lord bless you. And I will see you back here, I guess next time, which will be, I don't know what next time will be. Let's see. Um, I need to pick a day of the week to start publishing these. So, um, I don't know if you guys have ideas. Let me know if it would be better to put up new podcasts on the weekend and then you have a ready for Monday morning. I'm not really sure if Tuesdays are a good day. I'll look over the stats and see when people usually listen. And it's hard to say, I'll see you next blank when I haven't really had a set day to publish these. So I'll see you next, let's say Tuesday and let me know what day I should publish more posts or podcasts for the week. All right. Thanks so much. Lord bless. See you next time. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.